Welcome back to Atypical Talk. This is a podcast where we have conversations that illuminate the intersection of faith, culture, and the common spaces of our humanity. I'm Abby. I'm Allison. And I'm Joel. And we are back for, what is this, season two? Season three? Is that how we're doing it? Is this? I don't know. know. <laughs> season three. I think this is the yeah, season premiere is? of season three. I think so. <laughs> 2024. It, does. it doesn't feel like it's been three seasons. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. It really does. <laughs> no. <laughs> but over our winter break, we had uh, one of our listeners, one of our friends, send in a question that he wanted to ask us. Drew asks, what are your guys' thoughts on people who go out in public, shopping, eating, events, etc., in their pajamas, and would you ever go out in your pajamas? Uh, I've gone out in my pajamas many times. I mean, I don't make it a habit, necessarily, yeah. <laughs> like, but, you know, sometimes changing into real pants just seems like it's going to be a lot of work, and so it's just quicker to run to the store in my pajamas. So I just think you got to do what you got to do. Live mm-hmm. your best life. You want to wear your pajamas? Have at it. Yeah. Be comfy. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. Have you? I can't see you ever going no. out in your pajamas. It's just so interesting that you guys both feel that way. Because I have never once gone out in my pajamas. Yeah. And I don't have this like strong judgment against people that do. I have this weird thing. I don't leave my house unless I shower, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't feel like I'm clean and presentable mm-hmm. if I don't take a shower. I will say that like we live close to a gas station and we get ice from the ice mm-hmm. things out at the gas station for our house. And so I'll go there and sometimes I'll have like uh, basketball shorts on. Yeah. And I'll feel like uncomfortable that I'm going <laughs> into the gas station just with a basketball shorts and a t-shirt on because I feel like I'm underdressed. Yeah. Weird for the thing. gas station. Weird for the gas station picking up ice. That's just me. Nope. So I don't feel comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but more power to you if you do. I just feel like, man, those people, they've, they've got some kind of confidence that I don't have <laughs> is really what it is. Well, and some of it, I think, for me is like, I'm just wearing regular like sweatpants. Right. You yeah. know, like I'm not in... I don't know. <laughs> I, so I think the situation would be different depending on where you're going. Yeah. If pajamas were appropriate. Yeah. Because I was the same way. Like, I'll go out in sweatpants. But when we we came, what was it? Like, the last day we were working before Christmas services oh, yeah. started, we all came in Christmas pajamas. I had to go so many places I in know. my Star Wars Christmas pajamas. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was like, dang it. I have to go to Sam's Club yep. today. <laughs> and I'm in my pajamas. Yep. No, yeah. I get it. And that takes, a, that takes a level of confidence that yep. I just I don't have. Yep. To where, like, it'd be one thing if I'm like, I have to run in and grab this one thing. But if I know I've got all these things to do, I'm like, I can't be wearing like yeah. flannel pajama pants or something like that. Yeah. I did not plan ahead, but it, it was fine. <laughs> yep. More power to you guys. Yeah, let's make it happen. Trying not to take myself too seriously. Yeah. Maybe that's my 2024 resolution. That's yeah. when you'll start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when I'll start. So our first topic today is an NBC News article titled, Why the Nine-Month Ultimate World Cruise is Social Media's Latest Obsession. The Ultimate World Cruise, a 274-night voyage aboard the Serenade of the Seas by Royal Caribbean Cruises, departed from Miami on December 10th. The cruise, which promises passengers travel to more than 60 countries and almost a dozen world wonders during its course, was intended to give those aboard the opportunity to spend the months bonding with like-minded explorers over global discoveries across all seven continents. The cruise has gained a lot of attention through social media. People are wondering what drama will ensue with living on a cruise ship for nine months. There have been claims that non-Americans have been treated differently than Americans aboard the ship. 
Brandy Lake, a black woman on the ship, posted a TikTok saying that she's been mistaken as a cruise employee and has been questioned on how she could afford this trip. The nine-month cruise costs a minimum of $54,000. So, I don't know. Have you guys heard about this? You've seen it on TikTok, yeah, right? Yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. You haven't seen anything <laughs> no, about this? No, I haven't at all. Oh, no. my yeah. gosh. Yeah, I keep seeing videos where people are like, I need to know what's happening yes. on this ship. Yeah. That's a reality TV curse. Yeah, yeah you hear about it really like, is. I need to know everything. Yeah. yeah. Tell me the drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I also think is interesting is they touted as this nine-month thing, which you you can do the whole nine months, but I have seen where there were also like two other options. So you could do like shorter time periods, you know, mm-hmm. or just a certain number of stops or something like that for less money, obviously. Um, so it's just, it's fascinating. Because, yeah. yeah, I've seen people giving like, uh cabin uh tours kind of like they're on mtv cribs you know like oh, wow. all their <laughs> all their stuff and but yeah there has been some there's mm-hmm. been some drama yeah yeah so do you think you would ever consider going on a nine-month cruise for certain really yes i've never been on a cruise so Neither i guess I. I need a little I asterisk saying like as long as i know I don't get seasick, yeah. but I probably would because I get sick on roller coasters now. So, oh my gosh, if you get sick on roller coasters, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if Dramamine wants to sponsor me, I will give it a shot. I will try. <laughs> See, I'm worried about. I'm worried that I might get seasick, and then I feel like I'd get claustrophobic after a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm stuck on this boat. There's nowhere else to go. Like, yeah. even but they have excursions. Like, they I get off. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I think if I'm if we're in the middle of the ocean and i don't see anything i feel like i could go stir crazy and start yeah. panicking and you probably could. yeah i could easily spiral <laughs> like middle of the night like i can't get off of this yep, i yeah. can't go anywhere yep, i am yeah. trapped yeah yep, that's yep. what I would, I would they just went to antarctica yeah like see penguins although that excursion got canceled which i'm really sad about but because oh. i wanted to see videos of penguins yeah you can YouTube videos of penguins. <laughs> they're right there. They even had a penguin dance one night. Like, I guess there's, you know, these different activities, obviously, yeah. on cruise ships. But, yeah, they all dressed it up, like, in black and white or whatever, like, huh. penguin dance. Interesting. <laughs> Joel's like, imagine. this sounds terrible. There's just so much about this that cannot, like, even compute with my mm-hmm. personality. I think the longest vacation I've ever taken in my life was eight days. And by day six, I was already thinking about getting back into it for one. So to think about three quarters of a yeah. year, I can't possibly imagine. I need to like build and something, cultivate something, work on something. I just, ugh, I'm like giving the heebie-jeebies thinking about that. But they are that. working on stuff. They're editing videos. They're uploading content. Yeah, for like, like real, this is their real, thing. Like a like, reality TV style. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> to get, that's again, not my style yeah. either to document my life for other people. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I just can't imagine that. And then also just thinking about like, you are with a bunch of people, but like how many people you wouldn't be able to see for that long mm-hmm. of a time. I mean, I mm-hmm. can't imagine being separated from some of my family or closest friends and being out of like the real world rhythms of mm-hmm. things yeah. and being on different time zones and like, Oh man, that would just freak me out yeah. so much. Um, but I mean, it's an incredible experience to be able to see that much of the world. I just don't know if I could ever justify that resources for that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of wild. Another thing people have lot. been bringing up is nine months worth of cruise food. I've never had cruise I, food, yeah, me either. but I can't stand like when I go on a vacation, Towards the end, I'm like, I'm ready to go home and have a home-cooked meal. Like, I don't want to keep going to restaurants. I don't want to, you know, do these different things. I want to have a home-cooked meal. So the thought of nine months... 
I feel yeah, like I, I would go crazy with yeah. that too. I wonder, I mean, again, I have no idea, but like mm-hmm. if you, you're clearly going to get to know the staff, right? Yeah, so yeah. like, should, yeah. yeah. So can you be like, hi, can you make me yeah. <laughs> a grilled cheese sandwich? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Right. Like maybe you could, I don't know, possibly some sort of request. I, Megan and I went on it. The only cruise I've been on actually, no, my senior year, I went on a cruise too, but then Megan and I for our honeymoon was a cruise. Oh yeah. And like, we just think back on it as the perfect time, but we were also on our honeymoon. Yeah. So there was that kind of thing and food. Yeah. It was just like at a nice restaurant every yeah, day. Yeah. So it was that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Oh, you can eat ice cream. Oh, I hear is a thing. Okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Lots of stomach <laughs> aches coming your way. And one thing I do think is interesting is like just the, the dark side of human nature that will pop up no matter what, sort of environment you put it in like to think these are people that are on a vacation these are all Mm -hmm. people that are supposed to be living it up and having this great experience and then to hear stories of like racism Mm -hmm. and classism pop up Mm -hmm. even in these perfect environmental Mm -hmm. settings where everybody's there to have this great time it just kind of shows you that like it's really not the environment that's the problem it's like people People? in our crooked hearts (laughs) and like the way that we like to position ourselves over people like it's just interesting to me that like if you think you could create a utopia this would kind of yeah. be it right <laughs> but like even inside of that you hear these terrible stories about how yeah. people are being treated because it's it, wherever you go yeah. you are there yeah. and you know whatever's you know you have broken inside of you you bring that with you wherever you are mm-hmm. and so i always think that's just an interesting thing from this reality like there's just really no utopia on earth <laughs> like because even in this perfect place you're still gonna have people treating people terribly which is tragic but it's also just reminded me that certain circumstances don't change the human heart it's got to be mm-hmm. something beyond just the fun circumstances that we put <laughs> yeah. ourselves in. You don't think it, there's just like an aspect of curiosity though, just wanting to know and being able to have like inside eyes on what's going on. Like you don't think that there's, do you think it's wrong for them to have that curiosity about all of this? Who's them? I'm like like people, on people on social oh, media yeah. who are saying they want no, to see this. No, no. I don't think it's wrong to like, I don't think it's wrong to watch reality TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's actually helpful or good for <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah. But, like, but I think it's, it is curious. Because wasn't there that uh, show, was it called Down Below or something like that? Or Below Deck? There was a reality yeah. show. I think my brother was watching for a while about life of people that work on yachts. Oh, okay. There was some I show know, like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah. I and it was just about curious that. about like that whole life. Like mm-hmm. I thought for years it'd be an incredible like scripted show maybe to see the life of people that work inside of a cruise mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's such a unique life to like consider what that would be like because that's all you work but you also live there yeah, and you're yeah, I yeah. think what I've understood is that sometimes you sign up like year contracts to where yeah. you're there for a year. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, for me it just it wouldn't probably be that helpful or healthy, but it's a it's a fascinating thing to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Yeah. And I'm fascinated. I mean, especially yeah. because there was, um, I saw one video where they were going through these like giant like wave swells or whatever. So like, That's you terrifying. think like, yeah, <laughs> you think like you're on this you're cruise ship. It's not, yeah, you, you really feel do it. feel it. I'm yeah. going to be sick for certain, you know, <laughs> but um, then talking about how like water was coming like on the boat because obviously it's not really designed to be <laughs> out in the, I don't know. So it, yeah, water was coming in. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this does not sound like the perfect utopia. Like, yeah. <laughs> your dining area is flooded. Yeah, so no, no dinner tonight. We're going to bring you a sandwich to your room. Yeah. Yeah, that, it is that. interesting. And it's just interesting to consider, like, man, nine months for some people with yeah. the same people yeah. in this weird environment. Mm-hmm. Ooh, but strange. 60 countries. Like, yeah. it is a little bit of Noah's Ark going on. A little bit of an animal yeah. from every. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It would be really cool. 
Our second topic today is a BBC article titled The Murder That Inspired a Teacher to Become an Artist. The Murder? (laughs) (laughs) A decade ago, Margot McDade quit her job as a primary school teacher after one of her pupils was murdered. The shocking event made her reassess her life, and she decided it was time to pursue her lifelong dream of becoming an artist. After moving from inner-city London to the Kent coast, she made a pledge to herself to create at least one painting every single day. After the murder of her pupil, Margot says, I realized then that you have to have a reason for living, something that is going to make you want to get out of bed every morning, because I'd lost that. I couldn't get out of bed. I really was utterly broken by what had happened. Art then became her form of therapy. She started to draw small pictures at a desk in her bedroom every night. In 2013, she committed to her one painting a day, Odyssey. It was never one drawing, she clarifies. It was like 10 or 20, and it just ignited this passion that I couldn't switch off. So what stood out to you guys about her story? There's a lot more that's in the article that you can read linked in the uh, show notes. But what stood out to you guys? Well, for me, like, I just love her perseverance and, like, her persistence because she could have taken this very traumatic thing, this life event, and just kind of shut down. And instead, Mm -hmm. she used it to inspire herself and other people and actually, like, live her life, not just, like, go through the motions and, you know, dealing with this grief kind of in a really subdued kind of way, but to just genuinely live out what she wanted to do. So, I don't know. I think that's so cool, but also I think, okay, that was 10 years ago, and if she paints one painting a day, like, that is a lot of yeah. painting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's a lot of work, but uh-huh. that's now, awesome. Now she sells her, yeah. she's able to sell her paintings, yeah. and she basically has, like, a fan club in awesome. England of people who are, like, buying up her paintings and yeah. stuff. I, I think read, it's cool. Or in, maybe it was in that article, there's mm-hmm. a lady that has one of her paintings in, like, every room of her house or something. I'm like, yeah. it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I love that for her. I've, um, I've been fascinated with the connection between suffering and creativity for a long time. I remember reading a book um, in college um, that was just sort of all these connections between the terrible things and this burst of creativity that could be if we allow mm-hmm. there to be because um, you, you do have that choice to shut down to just lock everything mm-hmm. else out and just sort of live as if that thing that happened to you defines you instead of you know making that choice mm-hmm. to be like I'll let this fuel me and inform me but not define me um, I think it's a really interesting thing Leonard Cohen who um, is a Canadian singer songwriter had this song uh, he says this that there's a crack in everything and that's where the light gets in and so he was exploring like those broken places those those things that don't look perfect that's actually where the light gets in and that's where the light shines through to other people mm-hmm. and I'm always drawn towards stories where people take the worst thing that could possibly ever happen to them and then they turn it around and try to help other people through it mm-hmm. I think about people that I know um, from our church that went through a nasty, terrible divorce and they find it part of their story to help other men that are going through divorce they didn't ask for, how they process mm-hmm. through it, or people that um, lost a child to a certain type of illness and something they're passionate about is being generous towards and helping other parents walk through a season when their child is suffering. It's always taking those worst things that could possibly happen that you would never choose for yourself, but allowing good and beauty to come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about some of like the best music that was ever written, songs that connect with people across the ages. A lot of times we're about a breakup. 
you know, a heartbreak song. Yeah. It's something that yeah. people can connect with no matter what. I mean, Adele made an entire career out of it, right? <laughs> the terrible heartbreak and rejection you might feel to somehow bring voice to it, to bring color around it and form, it actually helps other people and people connect with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's how I'm inspired mm-hmm. by um, Margot McDade's story is to like actually let there be creativity come through it. This is where like really powerful stuff can happen. I think we all face that choice when terrible things happen to us to be like, well, this is my lot in life. We can play the victim. We can sort of, you know, fold back into ourselves or we can ask the question, okay, God, is there some good that you can bring from this? Yeah. Um, And I think that's sort of what she picked up and found a purpose in creating and being artistic Mm -hmm. and bringing joy to other people through her creative output um, instead of just saying, well, I experienced this terrible thing and now my life is ruined because of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a really beautiful thing about her story and all stories where we don't waste hurt, we don't waste pain, but we Mm -hmm. allow God to do something with it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's what always draws me to these stories. I think it was Rick Warren, um, the famous pastor who wrote The Purpose Driven Life, and his son actually committed suicide tragically and struggled with mental illness. He said in light of that, he goes, God never wastes a hurt. God will use our hurt to bring beautiful things in the world. And, and, and I, I try to think about that when I go through hurtful things or when there are hard things happening. Like, hey, God, you don't want to waste this. How can I partner with you to bring something more into focus and to bring um, other people hope. So have you guys ever had an experience that made you shift the focus of your life like uh, Margot did in this story? Uh, so for me, at one point I had a job that I thought that I would be at forever because I loved it, but that job ended. And so yes, I could have gotten another job probably anywhere, but instead I took that time to be um, unemployed and go back to school to finish my degree. And I don't say that necessarily because I think that, you know, higher education is the end all be all, but that's a story for another day. But it was more for me about finishing something that I had started and showing my girls that we don't quit on ourselves. Um, But then I had kind of another shift uh, um, after I graduated and the first job that I took out of college then um, was not exactly what I had anticipated it would be. And I realized at that point that um, like, I would rather serve coffee and be a barista or flip hamburgers or work a job um, that I didn't enjoy again. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of um, two shifts, I guess, there because, you know, one, yes, I could have gotten another job after I lost my first one, but instead went back to school to try to finish that up. And two, like, I just got to the point where, and maybe it's because, you know, I'm old, but I just decided I was never going to work another job that I did not love yeah, ever again. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and not everybody has that luxury. Sometimes you have to work jobs that, you know, you do not love mm-hmm. <laughs> in a season to get you to a place where you do. But um, thankfully, I finally got the, to that point yeah. <laughs> in my life. Yeah, that's cool. I think for me, the first thing that comes to mind is I just remember being in elementary school and I think it was actually first grade. It's like a real like poignant moment in my life where I just remember there was a kid in our class who um, was getting made fun of, who did not smell good 
uh, did not wear the cool clothes, who struggled in reading when we were learning how to read, mm. um, had a speech impediment, all the things against him in a lot of ways. And I just remember this like almost like animal instinct of like I hated the way that other people talked about him and excluded him. And I wanted to like I wanted him to know that he wasn't alone. Mm, and yeah. so I remember like sitting with him at lunch and trying to like connect with him and trying to invite him over to our house to hang out and stuff. And and I just remember like there was something and I mean I would call it spiritual a, a part of it, but like there was something about seeing somebody who was mistreated and it was completely out of their control. Um, I think an experience like that really brought focus to what my life's work would be and the type mm-hmm. of work that I would be called to and do and always being focused on the people that are walking into our church alone or look mm-hmm. out of place or feel like they don't belong. Um, it's those kind of moments. And I can even draw back to other moments in my life where maybe I was getting picked on or I felt like I was on the outside. and. The most I'll ever yell at our four-year-old is when I feel like he's picking on his two-year-old brother because there's just something inside of me that boils, yeah, you know. Yeah. And that kind of experience can can shift, you know, what I think is most valuable and how people should be treated. And I think it's really fueled my vocation and the type of work that we do at the church mm-hmm. too. So I think taking those painful and awful moments and trying to bring good out of them, I think. We can all have stories like that when we consider it. Yeah, yeah. So on the topic of art and Margot's art that she was able to create, what famous work of art would you most like to see in person? Um, really quickly, and I'll play the pastor card. Oh, gosh. Uh, no, no, the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Oh, yeah. I would love... To experience mm-hmm. that it's a work of art by Michelangelo it's this massive like massive scope of the ceiling of this chapel mm-hmm. and it, it's got different scenes from the book of Genesis and all these like different stories that are sort of depicted mm-hmm. through the art um, and I just love the intersection of art and him wanting to tell the biblical story uh, this last fall I got to go um, once in a lifetime thing to Las Vegas and see you two at the sphere and if you've seen any video or footage of the sphere it's this immersive venue where the whole ceiling and the whole everything is an led screen so it felt like very immersive at points mm-hmm. where people have been comparing it to the sistine chapel yeah. at certain points mm-hmm. and i'm like oh to be in a room where somebody actually painted and mm-hmm. did that work and told mm-hmm. this story that for thousands of years people could see and he told this story in a time when literacy wasn't available to all people to where he could tell the story of god and creation without having to be able to read. I just think that's really powerful. So I think I've heard it's just breathtaking to sort of be there and so I've seen the Sistine. Oh, you're so jealous. <laughs> so jealous. You probably like, were too, tell you're probably too young to appreciate well, it. That's the thing. So I did spend a semester in London in college and mm-hmm. I had traveled before that in high with some a couple of high school groups. I do not take for granted how lucky I was and how grateful I am to my parents for those opportunities because now as a parent I'm like you're thinking about how yeah, yeah how <laughs> um but yeah so I've seen a lot of things and you know not again in a braggy way but now I'm more like 
random art and Mm -hmm. we've talked about this some I think because I appreciate like random roadside attractions or (laughs) you know different things when we um my family vacationed in Baltimore we went to this like graffiti alley where literally it's just all graffiti but Mm -hmm. for me that's still art and I love that um when I was in Italy once like the this train it was the only way in and out it was all graffiti and like for me yes italy is so cool (laughs) but also this train that is just decorated in all graffiti like i love that but there is a um there's an alley in melbourne australia that is super famous for all its graffiti and Mm -hmm. that kind of artwork and um it's called like hosier lane and i would love to see that so that kind of stuff for me it's the oddities that people create or Mm -hmm. just this different artwork not necessarily like art gallery artwork which i do appreciate but Mm -hmm. i just again you've seen so much it's the stuff i get excited about now is more the weird stuff yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's cool you know i've i really appreciate um van gogh as an artist like Mm -hmm. when i was younger i was so interested in his story and how his art changed as you know his mental state changed and stuff like that so i think seeing any of his stuff would be really cool but I've been watching this person. This is really nerdy. I've been watching this person on TikTok where he is going around to every single piece of artwork that's featured in Animal Crossing. Because what? in Animal Wait, Crossing... tell the normal people that listen to the podcast what, what Animal Crossing is. I mean, I know what Animal yeah. Crossing well, is, yeah, but we need to tell I didn't know there was artwork. Animal Crossing is a video game where you live on this little <laughs> island and you... On this island, there's a museum, and you collect ah, pieces of artwork for it. And all of the artwork are, like, real-life things. And ah, this guy's going around visiting every single one. I think that would be cool, that too. That is hilarious. But I love that. it's stupid and nerdy. I know I know some of our listeners will understand. Should have just Joel stopped at Van Gogh. Should have just stopped at Van Gogh. No. I, see, that's I so love funny. the weird. Like, that's something that I would, yeah. I would appreciate, too. <laughs> So our last topic today is a religion news article by Catherine Post titled Christians Against Christian Nationalism Translates TikTok Activism to Local Politics. Georgia McKee started on TikTok one year ago with her account End Christian Nationalism. Many of her TikToks are intended to educate viewers on the topic. McKee also uses the platform to connect people to resources for addressing Christian nationalism in churches and in local politics. She says Christian nationalism is a political ideology and cultural framework that abuses the name of Jesus for a very specific American goal. Christian nationalism is not Christianity. We're seeing that even in the evangelical camp, even conservative Christians that I might not agree with on any other topic are able to still say Christian nationalism is a topic that has to be talked about, that it has to be something that's combated in all local churches, not just progressive churches, said McKee. Fighting Christian nationalism for it to truly end, it cannot be a progressive issue. It has to be a Christian issue. So what did you guys think about her saying Christian nationalism is not Christianity? Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. I mean, this is this is such a dangerous cultural moment. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, I mean, I've been living in some of this thinking because we're in the middle of a teaching series at our church about how to engage in politics in a Christ-like way. And I mean, just over the last seven, eight years, seeing the way that the name of Jesus and the people of God have been wrapped up in a 
win at all costs battle and uh, it's just brought so much damage and devastation i think to the the reputation of jesus and it's diluted the story it's uh really messed things up i mean and i'll say this like um i love america i love the country that i was born into and there's probably not another country on planet earth that i would rather raise my family in and i've been afforded so much because of the freedoms in our country and the beautiful things in our country but um, when I die, I'm not going to go to Washington, D.C. <laughs> right. I'm not going to go to the Republican headquarters, yeah. the Democratic headquarters, because this reality that I've been invi- invited into called the kingdom of God um, is not an American thing. Mm-hmm. It's a global thing. And it goes way beyond just making sure that my country which is made of artificial man-made borders by the way and is a melting pot of all different kinds of cultures and nations that have come here it's not the end all be all so like i mean i consider myself patriotic like i i love being an american but being a christian nationalist takes it to another place that i'm not comfortable with nationalism is saying that our country has a special privilege and exceptionalism to it that other countries don't have because of the borders and our shared history together and christian nationalism ups the ante from that saying that our nation is supposed to in its form be christianized um which is so comical to me when you think about the way that our country started because it was people fleeing religious persecution where they felt like they were being pigeonholed into one thing and it was actually people leaving for religious freedom which we've talked about before religious freedom if it's only benefiting your version of religion is not religious freedom freedom. at all and we live in a pluralistic society that um thank god we do so no one tells us how we have to do it um I am much more concerned with Christians acting Christ-like than I am America being Christian. Mm-hmm. And if Christians acted more like Jesus, we would probably see more beautiful things happen and more people would be drawn to the person of Jesus instead of us using the name of Jesus to get elected and then um, getting an office and twisting whatever we need to twist to make it sound Christian and then make other people feel punished because they don't believe in what we believe. So, yeah, my my Christian faith influences my personal politics, but I could be wrong about a lot of that stuff. And there's no political candidate. Hear me, anybody who's listening. There is no political candidate who's going to speak 100% for Jesus, and there's no Christian way to vote. And our goal as the body of Christ is not to um, turn America Christian again. It's to actually reflect the love of God and let Jesus do that work uh, in changing people's hearts. And uh, I I just agree with the article that Christian nationalism is dangerous. It's a distortion of what the mission of the church should be. It's a distraction from the mission of the church in the way that it should be. And um, dadgummit, I want to tell a different story. That's a great Christian swear to say on the (laughs) podcast. I just want to tell a different story and not get distracted by uh, these things um, that are going on um, in this rise of Christian nationalism, that my goal is not to make America more Christian. My goal is to reflect the love of Jesus and let God do the work of transforming people's lives. Because I don't know about you, but a law never changed my heart. 
Yeah. And I don't think setting up a bunch of laws based on some Bible verses taken out of context and forcing people to think this certain way that maybe I agree with, but forcing people to do it and doing it in laws, it's not going to change people's hearts. So I think uh, it's a dangerous thing for our country. It is a really dangerous thing for the capital C church. Um, and um, that's about all I've got to say about that for now. <laughs> So when she says Christian nationalism is not Christianity, uh, do you take that as her saying that people who hold Christian nationalist viewpoints can't be Christian? I would not interpret it that way because I think that there's a lot of people that God is going to be gracious to that I disagree with. And I think God's really gracious to me. I am certain that there are some things that I believe right now that I'm going to find out I'm wrong about someday. (laughs) And so I try not to like tie people in that in and out conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Like if you're talking about eternity and those kind of things, like I try not to get into those games. She might be saying that. I would not say that. I think that when it's all said and done, I'll probably be an attorney with some people that were Christian nationalists. Do I think that they're wrong and that they're causing a lot of problems? And that Jesus is going to have a strong word for them. Yeah. But I think he's he's going to have a strong word for me and some things that I do too. Uh, But when it comes to this side of eternity and less of the in or out, I do think that Christian nationalism has a different end goal than what Christianity does. Uh, I think Christian nationalism is about winning and conquering and using power to enact something when Christianity, if it's defined by Jesus, was about losing. It was about giving away power. It was about going in the unlikely ways to spread the message like a mustard seed is how it's described it wasn't through a multi-million dollar marketing campaign and and, and a negative ad blitz you know what i mean like that's not the way that god works it's not the way that god wields power and if you look at the methods of jesus and how he walked out his commitment to god um, it wasn't through the power structures. It was underneath. It was he's hanging out with widows and poor people and blind people that weren't even allowed to be a part of the process, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think it is not Christian nationalism is not biblical Christianity. I think it looks nothing like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to play the in and out games, but I would say that Christian <laughs> nationalism is does not hold the same goals, ethics as Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know. For me, I think Christian nationalism, it ends up just scaring those who aren't Christian away from Christianity. Because I know so many people living in this country that, you know, aren't Christian. Maybe they're atheists or Muslim or whatever it might be. And holding those values is just going to scare them further away from Jesus, further away from churches and communities where we should be loving and be a safe space for people who you know don't feel safe everywhere so yeah yeah. agreed well that's all for this episode of atypical talk if you have any questions topics you'd like us to talk about you can email those to atypicaltalkpod at gmail.com follow us on instagram facebook and tiktok at atypicaltalkpod and make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform We hope that these conversations today have helped you think wider, love deeper, and partner with God to bring the up there down here in your everyday life. Thanks for listening.